printed anything off. Um, if I was to say to you uh, the phrase, the kingdom of God, what does that mean to you? What kind of images does it conjure up? Do you think, oh yeah, I know exactly what that is. Um, we finished our Empowered series looking at the Holy Spirit a couple of weeks ago, and I realized that we talk a lot about the kingdom of God, and I know that there is uh, sometimes some confusion about what we mean. So hopefully this morning I'm going to talk a bit about it, and I'm not, hopefully not going to add to any confusion, um, maybe bring a little bit of clarity, um, which would be good, wouldn't it? Um, <clears throat> the kingdom of God is, or the kingdom of heaven, as Matthew calls it in his book in the New Testament, is all over the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. Um, and so we need to know what it means. Um, Jesus comes announcing the kingdom of God. John the Baptist says the kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, in Acts 1, well, in, in the beginning of Acts, we, we hear Jesus, uh, we, after Jesus had died and risen again, he appears and he talks about the kingdom of God. He teaches on it. Paul taught about the kingdom of God even when he was under house arrest. So if this phrase is part of your everyday vocabulary, um, then hopefully, and you know lots about kingdom theology, then hopefully this morning um, is a little bit of a refresher of the story we find ourselves in. If that phrase, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, uh, you only really know about it because you've either heard us talk about it, you've read about it in scripture, you know that it comes up in the Lord's Prayer. Um, it might be that you... Um, that you don't fully get it or grasp it, then hopefully uh, we can shed some light on that this morning. It might be that you've been kicking around church for a while and you, um, you know lots of scripture. You know that God uh, is on the move. You know that you've had some prayers answered and maybe some prayers not answered in the way that you would like. Um, you enjoy being part of this worshipping community. And the kingdom of God is like the thread that sews all of those bits together to create the tapestry that is life. Uh, there are different streams within the Christian church uh, that interpret what the kingdom of God means. They choose to see, they use theology, and they see it differently. And so their practices look different, which is why you get lots of different flavors of churches, all expressions of Christ's body but different flavors and different emphases. There's a guy called John Wimber who founded the Vineyard Movement years ago, and he used to talk about um, different churches being like vegetables in a stew. And as the vineyard, we are just another vegetable in the stew that adds to the flavor of the whole church, the whole of the body of Christ. So when it comes to the kingdom of God, we see this innate design of God's kingdom played out in the world around us. You know, whether you have anything to do with church, whether you um, or not, um, human beings have this longing for goodness, don't we? A longing for beauty, for health, for creativity, for restoration, for connection, for justice, for equality and peace. These are all hallmarks of the kingdom of God. And they all find their fulfillment in God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. They're all hallmarks of the order of heaven lived out where we live here and now. So what is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of heaven? In a, the most succinct way, it is the dynamic rule and reign of God. So it's earth as God had originally intended, earth as God would have it. 
And so when we talk about seeking the kingdom of God, ushering it in, um, as we seek the kingdom of God breaking through in our situation, it is the return of this dynamic rule and reign of God as he initially intended on earth. Author and theologian Dallas Willard explained the kingdom of God as somewhere where God's effective influence is. So the kingdom of God is the return of this dynamic rule and reign of God in our space, in our time here on earth. Why return? To understand that, we need to look right back to the Genesis creation narrative to understand the story within which we find ourselves. The world was created good. God's design was that the world was perfect. And then this crafty serpent entered the garden and had a conversation with Adam and Eve. If I'd been quicker on this, um, I might have used Russ's video from yesterday. Russ isn't here this morning. He's not very well. But he was walking on Danbury Common yesterday, and he managed to film an adder, like, through the grass. Was it grass? Um, so you need to just picture that, like a little serpent, a crafty serpent, um, having this conversation with Adam and Eve. Um, and when that happened, sin entered the world. Sin is anything that is out of God's order, out of order with God. You know, I've heard it described, and I'm guessing most of us in this room have experience of washing clothes. Maybe with the exception of Ben, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but I've heard the kingdom of God, or I've heard this uh, analogy um, where when you're washing your whites and by accident a red sock enters the wash, the result is pink clothes. This is what happened when sin entered the world. God's perfect kingdom, the unblemished order of heaven, is now blemished, no longer as God intended. God's shalom Shalom is the Hebrew word for peace, and it doesn't just mean absence of violence or war. It means sociological, psychological, economical, environmental perfection. That was God's intention at creation, and it was interrupted when man chose to ignore God. When that happened, a counterfeit kingdom was set up, the kingdom of darkness, <clears throat> Excuse me. Or scripture uses the language of the kingdom of this world. <clears throat> Entered what was created. We know from scripture that there is a realm called heaven where God's will is done perfectly. Where there is no sin, no sickness, no death, no fear, nothing corrupts, nothing distorts. God's realm is perfect. But in our lived experience... I'm assuming that you will live a fairly similar life to me. We know that that perfection is not experienced. That isn't our current reality. Some people think that becoming a Christian or being a Christian is all about praying a prayer that gets you out of the mess that you find yourself in and bagsying a seat for you in heaven when you die. But the story that Jesus actually came to announce, it aligns so much more with the original, aligned so much more with the Jewish hopes of the chosen Messiah. They understood when Jesus came and started talking about a kingdom. They wanted him to come and liberate them in the here and now, bringing God's rule and reign on earth. 
The framework of the kingdom of God wasn't new to the Jews, but it took them by surprise because Jesus did it in a way that they hadn't anticipated. Jesus came into the world, God incarnate as a baby. He became flesh. He dwelt among us in our brokenness. He came as a human being to live life as we live life, born into a world of brokenness. And instead of bringing his rule and reign like a military coup, which was what many of the Jews had expected, he brought in his kingdom in a totally different way. He came by way of self-sacrifice to be killed on a Roman cross. What we saw up to this point was Jesus coming and announcing the arrival of, the king, of his kingdom. He said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and be baptized. So he came talking about it, but he also came demonstrating the kingdom of God. That's what the miracles were about, the signs and the wonders the water into wine, the healing the sick, the walking on water, the casting out of demons. It wasn't just a fancy show to wow people and to woo people. He was actually showing us what the kingdom of God is like. He was bringing the reality of the kingdom to bear on a sick body. He was bringing the reality of the kingdom to bear on a body kept in darkness. And what was shocking to the people walking the earth with Jesus was that Jesus, God himself incarnate, came close to bring his peace, to bring his shalom, his wholeness, his restoration to our broken world, to push back the kingdom of darkness, to push back this counterfeit kingdom that was, had established itself at the fall. This was seen especially when Jesus uh, sent dark spirits or demons out of a person. It showed that Jesus had authority over that dark kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God had been made known. He demonstrated it. He demonstrated the kingdom in their midst. So when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, it totally messed with their sensibilities. They didn't get it. You mean, like, the aim isn't just to die and go to heaven? You mean you're inviting us to, into this kingdom thing here on earth in our midst right now? Your rule and reign here? Your order of heaven here on earth? That's the invitation that Jesus was giving to his first disciples and to us today. Now you and I know that the kingdom of darkness, the counterfeit kingdom, is still around there is still sickness, there is still evil, there is still brokenness, even after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. So what did Jesus mean when he said the kingdom of God is here? There is this tension that we live in, that we live as God's kingdom. The order of heaven is here, but it is not yet here. So we talk a lot about the now and the not yet of the kingdom. The long posh word for that is we live in eschatological tension. We see it breaking in when the sick are healed. We see it breaking in when people are set free from various different um, things. We see it breaking in when poverty is alleviated. But we also see the not yet of the kingdom. When we know of people that are abused, when people are physically sick, 
when mental illness epidemics are running rampant through our, our families and friends. The not yet of the kingdom, we see it every day when there is, is injustice over the color of somebody's skin. The fact that half of our world live in poverty and don't have food to eat. That is the not yet of the kingdom. That is out of order in heaven. So it could appear when you read scripture that Jesus' teaching is contradictory. The message of the kingdom of God is here and the kingdom of God is near. Well, which is it? The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is a future reality. It's not surprising that many people go, what? They aren't actually, they, but these things aren't actually uh, contradictory. They simply bear witness to the fact that we live in a paradox. Because, and, and this understanding that there is the now and the not yet of the kingdom, we see lived out in our experience. The kingdom of God is, in fact, here. Jesus ushered in his rule and reign, but we know that it is not yet here in full. And that day, that fullness will only come when Jesus returns. So the now and the not yet, it's like a picket fence. I mentioned it a few weeks ago. You know, you see a, a picket fence. There is wood and there is gap. There is wood and there is gap. There is wood and there is gap. There is fence. There is not fence. There is fence. There is not fence. Do you get where I'm going? It's like the kingdom of God. <laughs> Understanding for, for simple people. The wood is the kingdom. The gaps are the not yet. But yet it's still a fence. It still does what it needs to do. You know, we have a future promise. Revelation 21.4 says this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. When we press into the kingdom of God, when we, when we seek after, run after the order of heaven on earth, we get to taste that future reality here and now. But we live in this tension when we don't see the kingdom of God enacted. So what do we do in that tension? Well, you could get a bit angry and frustrated. You could throw your toys out the pan. You could give up. Or we're invited to pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that prayer for me is totally linked with us stepping out, acting, trying. You know, when we see sickness, that is out of order in heaven, so we pray for healing. When we see, see people trapped in darkness, that is out of, the, or out of order in heaven, so we are to bring Christ's freedom and say, come Holy Spirit. When we see a mother and child fleeing violence and living in poverty, that is out of order in heaven. So we are to bring the order of heaven to earth. And what does that mean? That means providing safety and provision. When we see our planet used and abused, that is out of order in heaven. So we need to act. We need to live and act to protect our planet and to restore it to how God intended it and created it to be. So we believe in this future age of the kingdom of God. We believe that it arrived in the person of Jesus. 
so that we can proclaim God's forgiveness of sins and the redemption of ourselves to everybody right here, right now. And we pray, we pray that we can be used to usher in the order of heaven here on earth. We pray for healing. And when we see it, that is a signpost to the future kingdom that will come in full. But when that healing doesn't come, we can make sense of it because we understand that the kingdom of God is now, but it's not yet. We can keep praying. We can ask for the kingdom to be known in our midst. You don't have to look far in our culture to see that people are trying to create the kingdom of God. We see the hallmarks of the kingdom, goodness, beauty, restoration, wholeness, justice. We see people in our culture trying to establish those things. They're just trying to do it without the king. And as subjects of the king of kings, we all get to play our part in ushering in his kingdom more fully. So in the vineyard, we absolutely hold on to this understanding of the kingdom of God being now and not yet. We accept that we live in this tension, which, let's be honest, is utterly frustrating. At least I find it utterly frustrating. You know, when I pray for people to be healed, I want them to be healed instantly. And I have faith for that. It just doesn't always happen. And that's the not yet of the kingdom. You know, I see no other explanation that is close to satisfactory other than the now and the not yet of the kingdom. Now, I mentioned at the beginning that there are different streams within the Christian church that understand the, understand the kingdom slightly differently. So I thought it might be helpful to just give a really crude summary. Apologies for that. Um, but there are two extremes. There is the now Christians and there are the not yet Christians. The now Christians, sometimes uh, traditionally maybe called Pentecostals, believe that healing has come in the atonement, which is the death and resurrection of Jesus. Healing has come now, already. And so it's only a matter of faith to see complete and full healing. These, these now Christians would also believe in second blessing theology. So they would talk about baptism in the spirit, which is um, evidenced by the gift of speaking in tongues. Um, and so there are two important occasions on your journey towards Jesus of saying yes to him initially and then being filled with the Spirit. Now, the majority of Christians worldwide, not in the West, but worldwide fit into this now category of Christians. And they really go for it. We have so much to learn for them, from them about what it is to have faith, an incredible faith that we can learn from. Unfortunately, in my opinion, there are, there are um, potential opportunities for misunderstanding in that. For example, if you don't speak in tongues, are you really a Christian? I think yes, just getting it out there. Um, if you aren't healed, well, healing has come now and it's a matter of faith. So whose fault is that? Why aren't you healed? I'm not going to go into a whole long discussion about that, but I'm happy to talk to anybody about it. For me, in Mark 9, if you read that, there's a man who brings his son to Jesus, and he, and he wants healing for him. And clearly the father is not full of faith because he says, Lord, help me in my unbelief. But yet Jesus still heals the boy. So there's questions about that. 
So that's one extreme. That's the now Christians. And then the opposite extreme are the not yet Christians. They, the long words for those might be cessationist view or uh, dispensationist. They believe that the gifts of the Spirit ceased when the apostles died. So the kingdom of God can only come when Jesus returns. The title dispensationist, long, complicated spelling, um, is used because they, they believe that the Spirit of God, God's grace was dispensed like a soap dispenser um, at differently at different times throughout history based on the time in history. So God operated differently under the judges than he did under the prophets part of the Old Testament. If that's new to you, just let it go straight over your head. John the Baptist is seen as the last prophet. So when he said the kingdom of God is at hand, he's showing that it is a future, something future, something that's going to come um, to us. And so Pentecost marks the beginning of the apostolic age when the apostles were filled with the Holy Spirit to lead God's people. And that ended with the death of John the Baptist or the last apostle, depending on um, what you think. And then the church age begins. We are in that church age. And it's now that we live and the gifts of the Spirit have ceased until Jesus comes again. I say, crude whistle-stop tour. Something to really admire and really thank God for, for these not-yet-Christians. That doesn't sound quite right. They are Christians, but they're in this not-yet bit of the kingdom. You know, you're tracking, right? <laughs> um, is that they absolutely love the Bible. They're under most of the, probably the most amazing biblical commentaries and preachers are in this category. Every time they go back to, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? They have an incredible understanding. They're highly evangelistic. They believe that scripture is the way for people to meet Jesus. I would have, along with some other people, some questions about their interpretation of the gifts of the Spirit ceasing. If you've been here for five minutes, you'll understand that we believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today, so we're not quite in this category. And also the early church fathers, uh, there's so many accounts of them doing loads of stuff with signs and wonders that either that was the Spirit of God or it was demonic. I'm going with the Spirit of God. So, um, but we have so much to learn from them. So much to learn from them, from how they read scripture. We, in this church, in the vineyard, we want to be now and not yet. We're greedy. We want both ex extremes. And we are walking. There's a book in the vineyard called The Quest for the Radical Middle. That's what we want. We want, we're on this quest for the radical middle that holds both of these things in tension. We have faith we absolutely believe in the gifts of the Spirit today. We love Scripture. We want to know that and to, to always ask the question, what does the Bible say? And we want to have both and. If you want to read more about this, George Eldon Ladd's Gospel of the Kingdom, Rich Nathan's Empowered Evangelicals or John Wimber's Power Healing books are all really good on this. Here endeth my crude whistle-stop tour. But I share that with you to give you, a, hopefully, a clearer, better understanding of what we mean when we talk about the now and the not yet of the kingdom. We see evil, we see darkness around us all the time. We know that God's presence is not experienced by everybody. The kingdom of God definitely isn't here in full. 
This is the bit I get emotional. People are still sick. People still die. There is so, there is so much darkness. But yet there is also real hope with the nowness of the kingdom. Because we do see healings. We do see people broke, um, set free from things that keep them captive. We do see the supernatural breaking in. There are many people in this room that can tell you story upon story of the Spirit of God breaking in and totally changing their situations. 1 Corinthians 13, Paul talks about seeing a poor reflection in a mirror. I don't think this means that we don't see anything and we don't see the kingdom of God at work. I think it literally means we see a poor reflection. It's our view is hazy. We don't see the kingdom of God in full. I was FaceTiming our kids this week because I was away and the, uh, the phone that they were using, the, the camera, sorry, um, was clearly dirty. So I was looking at them, and my picture of me was crystal clear. But all I could see of them, it was like this haze. Either they were part of, like, part of the rapture, no, um, or all the camera was dirty. Uh, and it's like that. We see things dimly. We see our reflection in the mirror poorly. It's like the camera is fuzzy, and it needs cleaning. We see bits of what God is doing. The kingdom of God is breaking in on occasions, and we get to taste those bits of heaven. And we want to be people that pursue that, that usher in the order of heaven here on earth. That's why we pray every time we meet, come Holy Spirit. And we always want to be praying for healings, for people to be set free, for God to speak to us through prophecy and words of knowledge. We want the now unashamedly, but we know that there is also the not yet but we don't want to get stuck in the not yet. So that means we have to step out. We have to try, you know, embrace the fact that it might feel a little bit weird or crazy sometimes, but God's love always wins. So in every interaction that we have with everybody that we meet, if we pursue the now of the kingdom, people will know that God and his family love them. Yes, we might have to deal with the not yet. But ultimately, I believe that more people will experience God's love if we step out. You know, we do have to be prepared to live in this tension, to pursue God even when things feel a bit hazy. But when we live and we pray like the kingdom of God is now and are prepared to keep pressing on and pursuing our Father, His Son, and the Holy Spirit, when it appears like it's not yet, I think we're more able to handle it. When Jesus returns, we will see the kingdom in full. You know, I talked right back at the beginning of our Empowered series about praying expectantly, expecting a yes, but being able to handle a no. That's what this is. That's great faith. And we want to be those sorts of people. So right now, just allow your creativity to flow, to be re-inspired. As you think about the kingdom of God, what would it look like for each of us to pray and act on your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? 
What would it look like for the kingdom of God to be made known in our midst, in our family, in our workplace, in our community, through our own hands and prayers? What would it look like for us to be involved in ushering in the shalom of God? Where have we given up? Where have we maybe pitched our tent in the not yet territory? What would it look like for us to step out, to increase our faith for the kingdom breaking in now? I realize this morning might be quite heady. I've said a lot of words, but I believe the Spirit of God is moving and stirring our hearts for what our part is to play in the kingdom of God coming now. And I'd love it if we celebrated the Lord's Supper together now as a response, perhaps to something I've said, perhaps to something God has spoken to you about specifically, perhaps to a picture or a word that you had in worship. But more importantly, this symbolic act of taking some grape juice and a piece of bread is about recognizing the reality of the kingdom of God and what Jesus did to enable us to be here in this place, to even be having this conversation about his kingdom, his rule and his reign, and our hearts longing for his return so that we can experience his kingdom in full. So when we eat this uh, bread and drink this grape juice, it's a symbolic act to remember the meal that Jesus had with his disciples just before he died and rose again. Jesus asked them and he asks us to remember that moment. That moment when Jesus' blood was shed and his body was broken so that we could be redeemed. It was to break the hold that this counterfeit kingdom, this kingdom of darkness has on us. And two days later, when he rose from the dead, Jesus' bloodshed and body broken was to signify that he had power over death itself. He has power over the hold that the kingdom of darkness has over earth. Luke 22 says this, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks. And he said, this, this, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I'll not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. He then took the bread and gave thanks. He broke it and gave it to them, saying, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let's just have some silence just to ponder those words, to think about what it is that God, Holy Spirit, is saying to each of us. We can respond in our hearts to all that he said and all that it means that Jesus died and rose again and will come again for us, for you, for me, for the kingdom to come in full.